know the accident up there? Yeah. Someone got hurt. They did? A lady. She broke her neck. Oh my god, but you can see her? Yes. Where is she? Standing next to my window. I see dead people listening to this podcast. Hey everybody, this is uh, one of your hosts, David Dennis, and this is a brand new episode of the Hold Up Podcast. Uh, I am joined with... Hey, Matthew Cleary here, back in Colombia. Very happy to be back. Very happy to be recording again from Colombia. Um, and great to be back with you, David. Nice. Yeah, and soon I will be joining you because I am... Uh, I'm coming back to Columbia for nine days for a vacation in September. Wonderful. Wasn't sure if it was going to happen or not, but now it's pretty definitive. Awesome. I went to Shoppers Drug Mart today and I bought some uh, some laxative pills. So that's how you know it's really <laughs> going to happen. Because <laughs> I have to fight that traveler's constipation, right. yo. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, gotta get you gotta get something to something to make you poop and something to make you stop pooping. That's the rule. <laughs> it's about it's some, balance, some right? laxatives <laughs> and some emodium. Yeah. <laughs> so you never know what's gonna happen when you travel. Uh, but yeah, today we are going to be talking about uh, a very interesting director who I didn't know all that much about uh, before uh, embarking on this episode and. Uh, have enjoyed kind of delving into his career over the last week and a half ish. Uh, I'm talking about none other than the twist master himself, <laughs> Mr. M night Shyamalan. Uh, don't ask me what the M stands for. I think it's like Mahaj or something like that. Something like, I, I looked it up when I was Mahaj. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh no, Chris. Yeah. We'll probably just call him M night. <laughs> M. Knight or Knight. Chris Stuckman yeah. said it in the video that I watched, the Chris Stuckman uh, Buried Alive, was it? Um, oh, so you, you saw I, that? I didn't yeah, see the movie, the but video I saw the Chris Stuckman the... review, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't going to sit down and watch that for two No, hours. no, no, the review was <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, he did say that he said his real name in the, or his birth name in the in the in that in that review i don't remember but yeah it's something, it's something yeah like for uh for the the buried secret of m night Shyamalan, uh which i guess that's a good transition into like my history with m night Shyamalan because i have less of a history of watching his movies and much more of a history of having people tell me about them <laughs> Uh, See, I've been a fan. <laughs> happened a lot when I was like 13, 14 years old, and I was uh, too scared to actually go see any horror movies. But my friends would be like, oh, have you seen The Village? This and that happens. Right. And there's these <laughs> monsters, but they're not real. And like the whole movie would be spoiled, uh, but I'd be perfectly fine by it. But I, I remember one of my friends describing this documentary, but he didn't know that it was entirely fake. So he was describing it right. as if he was telling me about M. Night Shyamalan's life. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, you can look it up, but the, the doc is called The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, it's from 2004. It was like a kind of a promotional mm-hmm. thing for the village. Exactly. I think they were good. Like it aired on HBO sure. as, as a way to kind of like uh, hype his new movie coming out. Uh, but it's set up as like uh, M Knight doesn't want us to film him. He's all secretive, and we're gonna find out about his childhood. And I guess they find out that he like almost he almost drowned, uh, like, like the, the character, character right? in 
in uh in unbreakable which we'll talk about today and then after that he could see dead people and that's where he got the idea for the sixth sense and like all of his movies came from this wacky personal experience that he had uh which never actually happened it's entirely fabricated but you know when you're like 12 13 you don't know any better and we didn't really have like the internet existed but it wasn't where it is now where you can just very quickly yeah kind of look up uh, if something is true or not, uh, unless you're you want to confirm your bias that the Earth is flat or whatever. But <laughs> I, I, I was kind of thinking, I, like I'm not a fan of the Village. Um, I wonder if it's sort of like people say how Hearts of Darkness is better than Apocalypse Now. Is the making of the Village buried uh, alive better than the Village? <laughs> it's the buried <laughs> secret thing. I again, I don't know. I never, I didn't watch it because it's it, yeah. It uh, sounds if it was tedious. like seventy-five, eighty minutes, right. yeah. Like if it was like an eighty-minute thing, I would have watched it. Sure. But uh, yeah, I didn't bother to watch it. And actually, before announcing this episode, I think I mentioned last time the only Shyamalan movies I had seen were The Sixth Sense because mm-hmm. I feel like I had to. Uh, signs because my grade 12 English teacher showed it to us because she was a big uh, Shyamalan Which fan. Which I haven't seen. And then uh, I'd seen parts of Unbreakable on TV. Okay. But never like the whole thing all the way through. And for some reason, I went to see After Earth in theaters. This was around that. the time that I also saw Mars Needs Moms in theaters. <laughs> so this was just when I was seeing everything. Sure. So I was like, whatever. What have I not seen yet today? Oh, After Earth. I actually, I don't know why I haven't seen Lady in the Water. I've kind of, I've wanted to see that. I've just never had the chance to see it or something. That's a silly thing to say. Well, I, wa- I watched that <laughs> over the last week sure. along with uh, everything else. <laughs> uh, Unbreakable. Yeah, everything else. Unbreakable, the Unbreakable sequels, which I'm sure we'll yeah. talk about. Have you seen old? Or like partial partial sequels. Uh, I was going to say the only one I have not seen is. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if that came to you yet. It's. it's uh, no, it was here, and it was uh, it was here and that's gone. That's right. You, t- you, t- you told me that off the off the air. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, in like two, it was in theaters for like two weeks. I think uh, when we talked about Spider Man, I mentioned uh, movies in theaters used to mm. be like sometimes eight or nine months. I think Spider Man over a year. Sure. Like I think after thirteen, fourteen Titanic months, it was still left. in theaters. <laughs> Yeah, Titanic was still in theaters in the summer of 1998, like after it had had uh, already come out for like a year. Uh, but nowadays, movies come out and two weeks later, they're gone. It's like if you want to see it, you have to see it right now. There's almost like it's almost stressful in a way. It's like uh, you have to go by their schedule kind of thing. It's It's kind of annoying. Like I wanted to see old sometime this week and... It's already gone. Right. So, uh, That's too bad. I enjoyed it. I liked it. But yeah, I watched. I watched all the other ones. I watched The Village, and yeah, and then I I rewatched Sixth Sense. The only one I didn't rewatch was Signs, but I I weirdly remember Signs really well. I think because it was just such a vivid memory from from my time in high school right. type of thing. Um, I remember these yeah, two I guess very that's, much. That's it for my... <laughs> I, 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 uh, I haven't... Sorry, um, no, I, mean, I, I hadn't rewatched either of these movies. Uh, okay. I rented, okay. I rented Unbreakable, and I remember rewatching it like the next day. And I've seen some of the scenes... I re- like, I love the ending scene. I've seen that on YouTube, like that clip of that. 
But sitting down to watch from beginning to end, I really have And because I remember it being a slow-moving movie that I remembered so well, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really... And, and I, it wasn't as slow moving in this re, in this rewatch, which surprised me. And same with Sixth Sense. I think I rewatched it once after the first, like, oh wow, let me see it again, knowing Bruce Willis is ghost. Spoiler alert! And I haven't seen that again either. And again, I I, I super enjoyed rewatching that one too. So um, so yeah, um, it was. It's these are movies that like I I've really. I really, 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 really enjoyed. And then I was surprised how much I still enjoyed knowing everything that, you know, knowing the plot beat for beat and still enjoying it is kind of cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think some movies, once you know the twist or whatever, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I know I know the twist. I'm kind of done. Right. Like, a, lot of, a lot of Blumhouse movies are kind of like that. Like you get to the end and you're like, oh, that's what was happening the whole time. Okay, that's cool. Now, you, like usual, <laughs> and then I don't like feel compelled to rewatch right. it. Like, like Happy Death Day or whatever. Like, I enjoyed Good Happy example. Death Day. Good I example. thought it was, I thought it was fun. But it, no part of me wants to go back yeah. and rewatch Happy Death yeah. Day anytime that's soon. Per- that's a perfect example. Maybe in a few, maybe like five, ten years from now, when there's like five Happy Death Day movies, I'll do a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, do you know what for me is one of, is one of the worst is when the movie cheats. Where the twist doesn't hold up, like if you know, oh, um, yeah. when, you, when you say, "Oh wait, okay, wait. now that I know he's the killer, none of this made sense because he never would have done this, and she never would have done that, and he never would have done that." That's only doing it to trick the viewer. There, there's a lot of movies like that where the twist is just simply to, um, you know, to. To, to shock the audience but the twist doesn't yeah make any sense. yeah or and you go back and you're like wait this scene doesn't make sense right. now that i know right. the, what the twist was right. like how, how does this work mechanically within the film i'm think it's i'm trying to think of there's a movie in the back of my mind that did that uh that had like a sixth sense-esque twist sure. and then the the structure of the movie didn't make sense around the twist but i can't think of what it is now the movie cheats <laughs> but i'm sure that i'm sure there's a hundred different examples of, of movies that did that I'm, i just have like uh one that i can't think of a lot of them are such bad movies too like you know they're just cheapo horror cheapo you know those cheapo um whodunits movies or whatever kind of like you know when basic instinct mm. had a, like a million clones oh I'm yeah i'm pretty sure a lot of those clones had killers that like wait a minute if she's the killer, why would this happen? Or I talk a lot about uh, Italian giallo movies. Yeah. Uh, and the, they're always, giallo thrillers always have that, like, whodunit element. Uh, the the biggest difference is that they, like, show the killing in graphic detail, which is why it's, like, a, closer to, like, a slasher movie. Right. But you never know who's doing the slashing until the end. Uh, and some of them make actually a lot of sense once you go back. Mm-hmm uh like the the ones that argento and fulci directed but then there are some that are like really he did it right right (laughs) you were saying like it's uh it doesn't quite hold up in that aspect right uh so i'm wondering like did you uh did you watch any other Shyamalan movies or Shyamalan related things for this or did you just go back and rewatch? Uh, the like unbreakable in the sixth sense. And I, I rewatched these two, and then I spent a lot of time on YouTube, sort of doing the um, you know, 
Okay, I know I know you're not a Cinema Sins fan, neither am I. But like, just as far as recaps go, they can kind of be useful just because they ha- they tell so much of the story in terms of their thing. Um, Fair enough. I never thought of them as being useful in that capacity, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I caught up on a lot of things. I just, I didn't really have the time to watch another feature length. I, I did want to watch Lady in the Water. I, I was interested in seeing it. And um, I've heard so many. Like, yeah, I actually I paid five dollars to to rent it on YouTube. I don't think it was worth oh, it. Okay. It's pretty <laughs> it's bad. <not> bad. <laughs> um, but I'm glad I saw it, like for the purposes of this show, kind of thing. Uh, but and I did rewatch Glass and Split though, because I, I liked those the first time and I oh, wanted okay. to rewatch them. So, um, and I guess I just I'm not a I guess Mel Gibson. I'm not a Mel Gibson guy, so I've sort of avoided Signs. Um. And what's the other uh, – The Village I've seen many times, uh, not because I really like it. Have you seen – the, there's, uh, there's The Visit, oh, and yeah, then yeah. there's uh, – I've seen The Visit. The Visit I really like. I've seen The Visit more uh, that, than once. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> okay, yeah. The Visit might be it's, – it's close for me between that and The Sixth Sense in terms of like what my favorite Shyamalan movie mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah, I want to get into that yeah, about we'll, favorite. Because I think Unbreakable is the best, mm. but it doesn't have the rewatchability, oh, I don't think. I love it, and I loved rewatching it this time, but it moves so slow. The dialogue, just the, yeah. <laughs> just the way the characters will sit down and stare at each other before. It works great the first time, and it works great this time because it's been 20 years since I've seen it, but... Um, or more, right? This is what nineteen ninety eight. Uh, no, uh, two thousand. I think Six Sense came out nineteen ninety nine. Oh, okay, okay. And then Unbreakable. Okay, so yeah, so t- twenty years ago. Yeah, but it's still it's still kind of amazing in terms of like it's a movie. It's like a superhero, right. un un superhero movie. Uh, but it came out like really before there were any major superhero. Right movies, when superhero movies were just bad movies, kind of just silly, silly yeah. cartoonish. <laughs> Yeah, like the the most recent big superhero movie was Batman and Robin when this right, came out. So, right there, you go. Uh, for him to for him to take that genre and take it so seriously, I think caught a lot of people off guard. I think he did such a good job of it too. I just I don't know. Um, it's gonna be interesting because I, I I I have nothing bad to say about Sixth Sense. I just think I think Unbreakable is better. Is that I think. Okay, that's yeah. It's interesting because I would I would say the opposite. Interesting. All right, let's get <laughs> overall. Let's get into like this. I think I think Sixth Sense is pr- is probably like I would say the visit is probably my favorite okay. Shyamalan movie because it's so unlike anything else he's ever yeah, made. You wouldn't even think it's him. And it's it's yeah, and it's it's fun, but it's also incredibly unnerving. Like I haven't had a movie make me feel that uncomfortable. In a very long time. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like I watch so many horror movies, and most of them I'm just like a kind of a passive observer. But the visit really drew me in, where I was like, I am so creeped out by now by these creepy old people. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's actually an interesting take because I know a lot of people saw that as a comedy. They saw it just they weren't they didn't the suspense part didn't work. Well, it is. It's 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 funny. I mean, and. You could say the same thing about the happening as well, except I think with the happening it was unintentional, <laughs> which makes it more interesting. <laughs> or at least some of it was unintentional. I think some of it definitely was a little bit winking at the audience kind of sure. thing. 
But the the happening I enjoyed almost on like a Tommy Wiseau, like this is so ridiculous. I, I, I kind of of a yeah. concept taking <laughs> itself so seriously. I love the performance that a part of, of me is enjoying. Too. It. I, I just love how goofy <laughs> he is. He's just doing that weird, you know, wide eyed sort of thing. Um, he's the most. I mean, that's what Mark Wahlberg does. Mm-hmm. Is he just sort of walks into a confusing situation <laughs> and goes, "What's going on yeah. here? Guys, what is happening? I don't know." And that's his entire performance for ninety <laughs> minutes of the happening is just him going, "What's happening? I don't know." He should have been in Tomorrow War. <laughs> What's that going been, on? He, guys? he would have been better than Chris Pratt in the Tomorrow War. I think it would have made that movie funny. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen the Tomorrow uh, War. But I, I kind of recommend it. I, I probably would agree with you. <laughs> it's it's actually kind of fun. It's kind of it's not it's not good. Don't get me wrong. It's not a good movie. But it's kind of fun. Okay. It's a fun watch. Um, it's definitely not good. But yeah, I, w- I was I was saying like I, I think overall I think the Sixth Sense is a slightly like I think the Sixth Sense is objectively his best movie. Even though the the Visit is my favorite of his movies. I don't think The Visit is a better movie than The Sixth Sense. Uh, the Visit still had, it had problems for me. Uh, there were some scenes that just didn't quite work. The, the uh, rapping I kid, think, for example. <laughs> well, that I just laughed at that. I, one of the things I liked about this, The Visit, and I think uh, we could get into this a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, I, one of my problems with Shyamalan is the way he directs kids, oh. like little adults. Okay, well, yeah, I think we, we talked about this. We talked about this a little bit in Jurassic yes. Park. There's kind of a balance with kids where it's like they can't be super annoying like real kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also you don't want them to be too much like tiny adults. And the Shyamalan's kids are really like tiny yes. adults. Like the way they act, the way they think. Uh, but the kids in The Visit are not. The kids in The Visit, like uh, the whole time I was watching it, um, the, the school that I tutor English for, the, the lady who runs it is like a divorced mom. And I've, and I've taught her two kids and they're exactly like the kids from the visit. <laughs> so it's like, this is, he's v- capturing here what actual kids are okay. like, as opposed to like Sixth Sense or, or um, the kids in, in signs or whatever. Like they don't, yeah, they're not like real kids. <laughs> I would say, I think that's a really great point. Cause I think, okay, the, the Sixth Sense Haley Joel Osment, I think was perfect. I don't think I like. There's a few cute scenes. Like, remember when Tony Collette was pushing the car and he's like, he smiles. I, there's something that re- I really loved about that scene, um, where he does have these childlike moments. But it doesn't it, yeah. like him being a little adult makes sense for the character. Now, the Bruce Willis, mm. the his son, or the child in Unbreakable. I think it's Spencer Treat Clark. I think his name is that actor. Um, I, I don't know the yeah I, and he, I know he was he was in he was in name. glass too um, I know some of the criticisms yeah. I remember reading at the time about Unbreakable was that like because the Sixth Sense kid they kind of looks like they kind of look alike and he sort of had that sort of joyless sort of thing that some people thought okay he's gonna be he must be super mm. like there must be something going on with him but he's really just a kid. And I, I think I agree with you, actually. Um, I definitely don't want them to turn into to Lex and Johnny or whatever from Jurassic Park. But um, the Spencer Treat Clark character in Unbreakable was a little bit too much of that little adult character. It was almost like he was more Bruce Willis's co-worker sidekick who was encouraging him <laughs> than like an eight-year-old yeah, kid or whatever yeah. he was, uh, whatever age he was. Um 
Yeah, like if they cast it now, he would be played by Michael Pena or something yeah, like that. He would be the wisecrack. <laughs> kind of going yeah. along with him and his adventures kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, Spen- that is his name, Spencer. Just in case he's listening, so don't get this name wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> interesting though. He's sort of he's grown into like this like Hollywood leading man, sort of like swept back hair, good looking dude, and Haley Joel Osment's grown into you know the guy who plays hackers on uh, um, you know yeah. uh, Silicon <laughs> Valley, and uh, and uh, he plays a the creepy superhero on um, what's the show I like. The, the boys um keep yeah oh okay i, I still have to get around to watching oh, yeah. you'll, the boys. you'll love it actually that's that's yeah. actually an interesting thing oh, kind of tying that in with unbreakable and stuff because it is sort of one of those superheroes but they're not in like the marvel universe um they're in like our world and how how would we treat superheroes if they it was, it was glass gets into more than unbreakable of course but like how would we treat these sort of people yeah. if they actually existed and how would they act you know I, I, like you and me and mike talked a little bit about how um uh, peter parker i and i told i think i might have said it on air but I, I know i told you off air how you know why does he live so destitutely why can't he wet his beak a little when he saves when he saves five million dollars from be stolen from a bank you know, take a hundred thousand for yourself, Peter. Treat yourself. You know, but like in real life, if someone had Spider-Man powers, the chance that they would just be purely benevolent is very, very low. These people would be like in the boys yeah. doing awful, awful, awful things to, you know, or in Chronicle, the way the Dane DeHaan character, he's like, no, I'm the alpha predator. You know, people are my sheep now, kind of thing. That's the you know. Um, and I think Unbreakable kind yeah, of gets into that a little, a little bit, you know, but Glass gets more into it. Yeah, that's that's why I've always liked Lex Luthor as a character in the comics, and I'm always disappointed by Lex Luthor, the character in the movies, because in the movies, uh, he's always kind of treated like a mm-hmm, joke. Yes. Um, and there is a big missed opportunity, especially in Batman v Superman, to, to really do Lex Luthor right, because the thing about Lex Luthor is, he is right. Yes. <laughs> like he, yes. he fears what Superman can become because here's this godlike yes. being and there's literally nothing stopping him from ruling the entire right. world. He could, and Lex Luthor is like, over. I'm the only one smart enough and with enough money to stop him. Exactly. <laughs> so I have to do it. And he's in a way he's not no. wrong. Like the only thing making him wrong is Superman being a good <laughs> right. person and Lex Luthor being not a good person right basically. Ex- like their exactly. morality is the only thing that that makes them uh that shifts that right and wrong perspective but from a purely logical perspective lex luthor is 100 percent right about everything right. someone who's uh, invincible the, the superman movies never explored that mm-hmm. which is no. sad they just make him like i'm gonna build an island that uh, Superman can lift into space or whatever. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. He just he always has some kind of harebrained scheme that Superman beats him on, and it's just a, a lot less interesting. Absolutely, than that. it really should be him saying, "Look, world, this man, this man who's not a man, he's an alien, could become the world yeah. <laughs> dictator in a matter of moments, basically overthrowing every democracy, taking over every country, um, and uh, submitting everyone to his will." And we cannot let that happen as a species sort of thing, you know, instead of like, hey, look, there's a bird, yeah. you know, it's a plane, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I think Unbreakable doesn't get super into that kind no, of thing, no. but a little bit because Bruce Willis isn't like super nice. No, like he's just he's, he's just an guy. average Joe kind of guy. It, yeah, and it's it's Samuel L. Jackson who tell Mr. Glass who tells him, um, what, what's what's his what? Why can't I remember his name? Um, uh, Elijah, Elijah, Price. Elijah Price. Yeah, Price. Um, yeah. Okay. It's he who tells him. He's like you know if. You are sent here to help people. You are sent here to be, and I think one thing M Knight does a really great job of is, it's not sort of like the Spider Man thing where okay Bruce Willis learns his powers and he just runs around it's like solving crimes and stuff. Like in the um, in the in the like go meet people scene, you know, there's like the abusive mom, there's the rapist, there's a thief, and he basically has to let these people go to stop the home invasion murdering yeah, rapist yeah, I that was yeah it, it, you know in a lesser movie you would have him solving eight crimes in one night and going home with a smile on his face or something you know like oh he saved the day no like you like it shows you yeah the world is still even with this man amongst us the world is still a, is still an awful place with awful people and one man can't change all that yeah there isn't there isn't like that i think uh, I don't know if I mentioned this when we talked about Spider-Man, but Spider-Man 2, he gives up his powers and there's like a newspaper headline that says like crime up 75 percent. Right. Yes. Spider-Man quit. It's like what, he affected crime rates that much. Like that's a lot. <laughs> I thought he was just stopping like big uh, like Doc Ock and stuff like that, like big. Uh, things that could threaten the entire city but apparently it was just stopping like every crime uh but there there isn't that in unbreakable there is that moment of like uh, i have to choose what is the most important thing and when he does go to stop the crime it's not it's not really played as a heroic scene no. where he uh, he saves the day and the music swells it's kind of dark and sad and he almost he, dies and the, like, the mother's dead i, I think that yeah, I was going to say, like, the girl he he goes to save at the end just collapses, yeah. and I think it's insinuated that she just died. Like, yeah, I think it's her, insinuated that he unties her dead body. Like, because she, I think that's the chi- the children's mom, mm-hmm. and she was tied to the radiator. And that's the last scene. It isn't some triumphant scene with him and the kids. The last scene is her body just slumping over, him standing over her body, cut to i think him carrying robin wright pen up the steps if i'm not mistaken yeah so there's like there's also this kind of failure involved too you know he didn't save yeah, the dad and mom yeah and there's a lot of uh i was gonna say along with that like editing you were talking about like there's a lot of interesting uh editing and framing choices and Mi- really every mirror shots Shyamalan movie yeah he's, he's great sometimes for me sometimes it's too much like it feels it feels a bit like pretentious show offy yeah. kind yeah, of it's like like someone who went to film school and is like i'm gonna do this cool technique just to show off that i know how to do it kind of thing and i don't know he he i think he got a bit more restraint as he got further along in his career right. um but unbreakable definitely has uh like i think he made it on purpose to have each frame look like a comic yes. book panel by being like really long, these really long single yes. takes, uh, mostly in wide shots and a lot of stuff that's like you said, like shooting at a mirror mm-hmm. at something or framing something through like a 
fish tank or through like actual curtains yeah. through the seats in this bus scene you see them framed by the yeah the little girls <clears throat> point of view like he, he uses found objects as like as a frame within the frame kind of thing right. uh which is cool and he, he does that technique in a lot of his other movies as well to varying degrees right. um but I, I remember watching Unbreakable, uh, like I said, I tried to watch it on TV and I was probably like 12 or something and I just didn't have the patience for it. Uh, like, I think I saw the scene where he's like pushing all the weights and he gets up to like 400 pounds or whatever. Uh, and then after that, there's like an establishing shot of the stadium and it's just like a 10 second establishing right, shot. Right. And I'm like, as a kid, I was like, why is this so long? Even now I was like, <laughs> it. It doesn't bother me as much, but it's kind of weird. Like a normal movie usually takes two, three seconds for an establishing yeah. shot. But this is like really like the establishing shots even follow the pace of the rest of the movie. So right. there's just a wide shot of the stadium and it's just 10 seconds of there's not even extras walking in no. front of the stadium. It's just 10 seconds of an empty stadium. I'm like, wow, this movie really... Uh, is pressing your your yes. patience a little and, bit, and that's why the re that's why I was a little had some trepidation about rewatching. I was like, ah, oh, I remember how much I love that movie, and I remember how slow it is, and I remember how much I like watching it like in YouTube clips of my favorite scenes. But to sit and watch the whole thing, I, I was a little bit nervous. And then once I got into it, I was fine. But at the same time, you do feel you yeah. feel those <laughs> scenes. You feel. Especially, I feel now during the pandemic, like <laughs> I have so much less patience for movies right. now. Like anything over over one hundred minutes, I'm like, oh, this movie's one hundred and three right. minutes. Like, <laughs> why is it so long? And like pre pandemic, I'd be like, why is it so short? Right. They, it's this is a superhero movie, isn't it supposed to be one hundred and thirty five minutes or whatever? Right. Like, <laughs> so yeah, my my patience is is kind of being tested i guess and i don't know if uh other people are feeling the same way i'm sure they are right i think it's also just like i'm pounding away so many movies yeah. that i'm like oh man this is three hours it's gonna take my entire day kind of thing and then i and i do the same thing sometimes where i start watching a movie and like 20 minutes in i'll give up on it and start another one and start another one and yeah <laughs> I feel I feel like that's normal. That's kind of the way things have been going since the yeah. pandemic, especially now that I've like watched most of the movies that I really wanted to watch. And now I'm right. just like experimenting with weird stuff and like movies that bombed in the theater and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was interesting to, to finally get to go back and, and check out uh, Shyamalan's career a little bit. Uh <clears throat> Now, we did talk a little bit about Shyamalan's, like, directorial style. Mm -hmm. We didn't really mention, like, uh, some of the stuff that he does, like, he, putting himself as a cameo in each I movie. I don't like, I, I kind of like, because Tarantino does, I kind of, and people complain, but I kind of like how both of them do it. And neither of them are great actors. Um I think actually Shyamalan's better than It's not terrible. Like I don't I don't hate Shyamalan as an actor, no. but you only ever see him in his own stuff, so I can't really He's not like um, compare um, and Tarantino say, like, and Django, which was bad. That was a bad cameo. Tarantino as the Australian oh. slaver. And he had the terrible accent. Oh, okay. I, I need to rewatch wow. Django again. I like That's I, great. I <laughs> don't really even remember that. 
Um, yeah, but Shyamalan. I don't think I've seen okay. it. Since he was the, the doctor, Sixth Sense. He was the drug dealer, Unbreakable. What was he in? The, was he in the visit? He's uh, like on the train I, or something, I, right? I don't think so. He might have been just like I think he was just like an extra in that one. I don't think he ha- he. He, uh, he wasn't in the village. No, life. he was the cop in the village, right? Yeah, he's like the he's the park he, ranger, which is kind of like a, a sort of a major role in a in a in a weird way. Not it's, like, it's a minor but important role or whatever. It's yeah. like, do you want to talk about that a little? You know, okay, we have this whole thing where, okay, Sixth Sense, huge twist. You know, twist people didn't see coming. But yeah, that's that's the other thing I was going to say with this directorial style yeah. is the the twist. Well, I think that's kind of overrated in a little bit. Like, is Unbreakable a twist? Um, okay, Samuel L. Jackson is the bad guy the whole time, but it's not like. Okay, I guess that that it's not, I guess that's it's not as big of a twist. Like, it doesn't affect. Yeah, it doesn't affect the entire plot as much. But it, and it makes sense think... as a character. It makes sense that he was he was doing what he was doing to find his opposite. Like, it's. And it makes sense that, like, the, when he explains, like, yeah, they called me Mr. Glass, he was the super villain in the mind, and he didn't know his place in the world without the hero sort of thing. Um, I, I, I guess that it, it does qualify as a twist. The Village is a twist and a dumb one. I don't really like the twist in The Village. Yeah, The Village, like, it has its defenders. I'm not really a fan. The Village was where Shyamalan's it. style kind of goes a bit too far like is very yeah. like he has a style of directing characters where they have very subdued performances yeah. um like gareth edwards is, is very similar the guy who directed the new godzilla right. movie um david cronenberg kind of does the same thing where that everyone's kind of low-key <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the village was just like all these characters are so boring yeah. like there's i i just want some I don't know, some variety among them. They all seem like there's like 15 characters in it and they're all just Bruce Willis in the sixth yeah, sense, yeah. but you know, different ages and genders <laughs> of Bruce Willis in the, in the sixth sense kind of thing. So, I, I didn't hate the village. But yeah. Like you, like you. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate it. Roger Ebert famously gave it a he one star review it. and he was, yeah, he really despised that movie, but I, I was, it's like a two or two and a half star for me. Like I, I don't hate it. I liked it more, a lot more than most of the movies that followed it. Like it's better than lady in the water after earth. Uh, and I have not seen the, I was, I mentioned earlier, I haven't seen old yet. The only other Shyamalan movie I haven't seen is this last airbender remake. Okay, I haven't seen that either. Cause basically fuck that. I'm not going to, yeah, that's, I don't, I, that's yeah. hours of my life. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I obviously assume that the village is better than the last Airbender remake. Yeah, I think the village is rewatchable. Uh, I don't know if I would rewatch it. Well, you just honest, saw it, but, but I, in, you know, I hadn't seen it in the song. Yeah, it's not terrible. Fair enough. Yeah, in a few years, I would, I would probably check it out again. Um, but I think that that raises an interesting point about Shyamalan that I think is is kind of fascinating with his career that he does direct these movies that are deliberately slow, uh, slow paced, not a lot of cuts uh, during a time in Hollywood when it was like the MTV style of editing was popular. It was like a lot of, a lot of handheld, a lot of like run and gun Michael Bay style filmmaking with like, it cuts every 10 seconds. Who cares where the eye line is? Just get the shot, move on to the next shot kind of thing. Right. Uh, 
but his movies make a shit ton of money. Like his movies make Michael Bay level amounts of money when he's making these like very slow, low key movies that are, that are more drama than they are horror. Like, I don't know. Would you, would you even consider the sixth sense like a straight up? I don't know. Like not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I was thinking that when I was watching it, I was like, besides, three or four like kind of makeup effect mm-hmm. scenes like there's the kid with the hole in the back mm-hmm, of his head right. uh th- there's a few like horror moments like where cole gets locked in the closet and he's screaming right. to get out like that's pretty terrifying no jump scares but, though right no the closest to a jump scare i think is where tony collette's character leaves the kitchen oh, yeah, the, the abused and then wife. she walks back right. and like the music kind of swells up and when all the yeah the cupboards are open and he's like mom that was the moment it and didn't she spins around yeah yeah it's not the mom yeah yeah like it didn't it didn't completely make me jump out of my no. seat, but it was like, is that, it, it, it jolts you. I think bit. that's the first ghost you see too. Right. And that's like 45 minutes in. I think she's the actual first. Yeah. That was, that was the other thing I noticed was like, I forgot how long it takes right. to reveal anything in the sixth sense. Like it takes forever to get to showing a ghost. It takes even longer. It takes like, up to over an hour, I think, before he tells Bruce Willis that he sees dead right. people. And I wasn't, like, bo- but I wasn't bored at all. I wasn't like even knowing what was coming. I wasn't like, okay, yeah, yeah. When when is this gonna happen? I was kind of, I was caught up in the the Bruce Willis playing the psychologist role. Like, I love the scene where like take the one step forward, one step back. Uh, I remembered liking that scene, but yeah. I didn't remember the dialogue. And like I was like, and I like really the, the little <laughs> details too that like you you notice on the second watch when you know that Bruce Willis is dead. Like when he's talking to him in the living room, there's a moment Haley Joel Osment looks over to see if his mom is listening yes. because he knows that he's talking to nothing, and the mom will think it's weird, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like he doesn't want the mom to see him just talking to an empty chair. And then at first, like, he doesn't say anything at first. He just kind of nods because he's kind of nervous to talk to yes. him. But the first time you watch it, you just think, oh, like, it's uh, he's, he's just starting with a new psychologist. So whatever, he's nervous right. about it. And Tony Collette and Bruce Willis don't interact, but you don't feel that they don't interact yeah. on your first watch because you don't feel it's weird. Because you just feel they're too, you Yeah, know. like, there's that moment of them just sitting next to right. each other saying nothing. For, for right. like 10 seconds and then he walks into the scene and, and same with olivia williams in the restaurant scene when he sits down and he's telling her i'm sorry i'm late i lost track of time and like she's like yeah happy anniversary and she leaves and you don't ever feel like it's a cheap way of it didn't feel cheap i guess it was like okay now that i know he's a ghost and she can't see him I didn't feel that was just one of those scenes that were inserted to kind of make you think he's still not a ghost, but didn't cheat or whatever. I, I think it was a believable scene, you know, the grieving mm-hmm. widow, you know, she's sad. She doesn't make eye contact with him. Obviously there's no one sitting across from him, but you know, it, it just made, it just made sense from, from both the point of view of he's not a ghost on your first watch. And on the second time he is a ghost it, it works for me. I, and I, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's it, yeah. part of the, the film's success too. Yeah. I think that's why like it was, uh, 
it was the second highest grossing movie in of 1999, which is insane. Because right. <laughs> number number one highest grossing movie was Star Wars Episode One. Obviously, <laughs> like that's it wasn't even good, and it's obviously going to make the most money because it's Star Wars. That's funny, Jake and Lloyd two, and Haley Joel Osment. Like that's a contrast <laughs> yeah. in styles, right there. <laughs> yeah, the fact that those both came out the same year that's is funny. quite interesting. That's funny. Like in terms of child performances, and I like a you wouldn't be the first person to make that comparison no, or to say that take. Haley Joel Osment should have played Anakin Skywalker kind of thing. Um, How great a movie that was. Or that he would have been a better Anakin Skywalker. But then we we wouldn't have gotten this performance with him. His Uh, his best and and only performance. And then we would have ended up with uh, an alternate universe where Michael Sarah plays Cole. Yeah, I read that on Wikipedia. (laughs) That was surprising. Yeah, because he he actually auditioned for that part. And some, some guy I'd never heard of turned it down. Like, I guess he's done... He, I'd never heard of him. He did, he's done other stuff. Um, but, uh, he, I, 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 I looked at him and like, I've never seen any of these movies, but, um, Imagine that getting cast and turning that movie down. Wow. Well, it happens. I want to see the, <laughs> like Michael, I've, I've I see of, the Michael Sarah version though. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> Apparently he didn't get it cause he was too cheerful okay. in his, in his reading. Uh, Michael Sarah plays a very good, like dramatic kind of, well, I don't know. What, hmm. what is Michael? I'm Michael trying to Sarah think of anything Michael where he got really dramatic. <laughs> now, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking some scenes in the in the movie like, where he has the double. What's that movie? Um, it's not Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Youth, Youth and Revolt. I still haven't seen that okay. film. I, there's a few scenes in that where sort of like in, he has some like moments of inflection sort of thing. I, I like that movie. So um, I mean, he was he was perfect in Scott sure. Pilgrim, and that's like one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. Um, so no, no disrespect. To I'm a Michael fan. Sarah, I'm a huge but... Michael Sarah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't stand for it. I love Michael Sarah. I love Arrested Development. Um, I loved his cameo, and this is the end where he's doing coke, and he gets all upset. Oh, yeah, you guys are doing all these. And... Yeah, you guys did all that. Like, I just love that scene. He's so funny in it. And I don't think he doesn't. He doesn't work anymore, does he? He's pretty much semi-retired. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, he hasn't been in much no. recently, like since Arrested Development ended. But it didn't end that long ago. Uh, true, true. Like it was like 2019, I think, that the last season came out. So I'm, I'm not sure what he's up to since then. He was at when they did uh, during quarantine when they did the. Uh, Scott Pilgrim 10th anniversary like YouTube live table read thing. He was in it and he was doing okay. it. But yeah, I think they definitely got the right person with Haley Joel Osment and I still like Haley Joel Osment even in the stuff oh, he's I in him. now. I think he's great too. I think he's great a, as like a fat guy. He's an yeah. awkward chubby guy, <laughs> <Yes>. but <laughs> I think he was so uh, good in, in, in um in um um Silicon Valley. I thought he was wonderful in that. He played such a great character. Also, one one interesting thing I noticed, uh, totally totally random, right? Uh, but between Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and I never realized this before, was the bridge between Hair Bruce Willis and Bald <laughs> Bruce Willis. Because we've we've only had Bald Bruce Willis since the year two thousand, and Sixth Sense, I couldn't before rewatching it, I I couldn't remember if he had hair in it or not. I was like did he have his hair still? And I was like, oh yeah, he did. He, 
he had it it was balding and he had it like combed over kind of thing mm. and i think after that he was just like screw it and just <laughs> shaved what was left of it off um but yeah that was that's I, I could never quite pin down when that shift happened between uh, it, Bruce Willis with hair and Bruce Willis not having hair anymore. And and uh, if you watch these two movies in a row, you can actually uh, see that happen. But yeah, Bruce, it's great watching Bruce Willis in a good, like, okay, let's see. Bruce Willis when he's good. He's good in Glass. Do you, do you agree he was good in Glass? I liked him in Glass. Yeah, I liked I liked uh, Glass a lot more than I thought I would because it didn't get that good of reviews. It, it, it got some weird YouTube reviews that kind of didn't get it. They wanted it to be like this big Marvel-style fight between these three guys. I'm like, great. You guys don't understand what the, this whole universe is about then, you know? Yeah, because it's not that type of a no, movie. that would have been silly. And it also didn't have that much of a budget. No, it didn't like, have a budget. It was weird. Since the, that's an interesting point, too, because Shyamalan's career has had a weird and very interesting trajectory because he started out – uh, Sixth Sense comes out is the biggest like sleeper hit of like, all ever, time, yeah. except maybe maybe the Blair Witch Project because that came out the same year and and was like the most profitable movie ever made or something. <laughs> but uh, until I, I think uh, Paranormal yeah. Activity ended up beating, <laughs> which it. were made by like those um, uh, those catfish guys. Those guys are like making these. Those guys are making like a billion. The guys who do MTV's Catfish direct these Paranormal Activity movies and make billions. It's crazy. Really, yeah. uh, Henry Juiced, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. They're like a directing team because I remember looking it up. I'm like, wait, who are these guys? I'm like, why does that name sound familiar? I'm like, oh, they're the Catfish documentary guys who did the Catfish show. Did they make the the first Paranormal Activity? No, as well, no, or just they, like the they made they sequels? made I think two and three or three and four. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm yeah, not a this, really. The... But the, all those movies make make a gigantic percentage. Because they cost nothing to... Yeah, because yeah, they, they cost... The first Paranormal Activity, like, it was shot in the director's house with two non-actors playing themselves, and it cost, like, less than $100,000, I think. And it made, like, $500 million, probably easy. Maybe more than that. Like, it it made a lot of money. So three and four. Um, the Catfish guys did three and four. But, so, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So when it... Well, the third one was okay. The fourth Paranormal Activity yeah, was terrible. That was when I jumped five, off that. Five million that budget, <laughs> 207 box office. And and the weird thing is, these two catfish uh, guys, um, and, and then the fourth one just just five the five and the 142. So the fourth took a little bit of a hit. But um, these catfish guys, they made these two movies. These are their like non-documentary debuts. Um, then they made Nerve, which is that kind of weird uh, Emma Roberts movie with um, Dave. Um, 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 what's uh, Dave Franco? And then they made. Oh, um, okay. I haven't. It's seen really that. bad. It's like one of those. It's it's it feels okay. like it's ripped <laughs> off of something else. Like it's like they get they they download an app and the app makes them do dares. Like go steal a steal a car. Go make out with this guy. Like really dumb stuff it feels like that movie's been done before and they're just kind of ripping it off and then they made a movie called viral which i really liked it's sort of a zombie movie blumhouse um where um like it's sort of like slither killer worms okay. come and invade a small california town 
And then Project Power, which is horrible. Project Power is one of the worst movies I've ever seen with Jamie Foxx. I don't know if you saw that one. No. So anyway, that's the Catfish guy's career but, outside of Catfish. But now I know to avoid it. Well, I was, I was going to say it's interesting that you bring up like Blumhouse because they were the ones who kind of rescued Shyamalan's yeah. career yeah. when it was in the toilet. He hadn't had like, it in years. He, he went, <laughs> yeah, he went, he went through that weird thing where like uh, – because the sixth sense was such a huge sleeper hit, everyone was obsessed with this guy. Right. And then unbreakable came out and was still a hit, it, but was, was kind of, I it think underperformed. wasn't what people no, it wanted. Definitely underperformed. Yeah. Sadly. Uh, signs, I think was a little bit more successful. Yeah, Cause I had the Mel Gibson uh, behind it too. So <clears throat> Mel Gibson was a and huge star at the time from, from the village. It's just like a downward, mm-hmm spiral up to up until he releases the last airbender movie and he just becomes like a joke yeah yeah he becomes a punchline it's like every movie is worse and dumber than the previous movie that came before it and then jason blum comes along and is like look nobody believes in you nobody's gonna give you money like will smith gave you a hundred million dollars to make after earth (laughs) and you totally fucked it up I'll, I'll give you $10 million. I'll give you like one tenth of the budget and just make something small and fun. And then he makes, makes the visit and like completely redeems him. And the interesting thing is he made it in found footage, which I don't know. It uh, was found footage even popular at that point or it was sort of on the way out. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. It was kind of on the way out. And uh, like, even I'm kind of sick of found footage movies, especially at that point. Like I don't like the bad ones, but that's a good one. Yeah, because that one doesn't. It doesn't feel. It doesn't have the the shaky cam no. all over the place, like running away from the monster <laughs> while I'm having a seizure. Kind of uh, of uh, camera work to it. Like uh, it's a found footage in that like it's a um, it's more of a mockumentary actually yes. than a found footage because it's like the little girl is doing the documentary so there's still the camera is able to linger on sure. things <laughs> a little bit more well and it does the thing like okay paranormal activity does like ad nauseum just like okay here's a really boring shot of nothing happening nothing happening nothing happening oh the window blows open like the visit has a few moments yeah. like that where like <laughs> like as the viewer you're like yeah. wait is something going to happen is this crazy old lady going to jump in the frame but it actually it works on uh, it works where paranormal activity doesn't work and actually I don't hate paranormal activity movies I've actually seen I think I've seen the the one that was the with the Mexican kids in it the the one that was like different from the other ones oh re- oh okay that's the only one I haven't seen that's like when I gave up <laughs> I watched it on, on a paranormal bus activity <laughs> to I watched it on a bus leaving Epialis to like Cali um and like you know it was a the the nice bus that had the uh, choices okay. um and actually the characters are really cool like you kind of get into it like the sister the guy the possessed guy like you kind of like them and stuff where the paranormal activity moves I think fell apart for a while as far as characterization is just sort of like here's a family yeah so maybe it maybe it's better than paranormal activity four four is the girl right uh four was like a weird it like it takes place right before or no four is the the one that takes place after the first one okay yeah it's like the family moves in next door and then like the girl from the original movie has now started a coven right yeah that's and and she wants to like steal the baby or something right (laughs) like i only vaguely remember it i just remember it had a lot of uh and this is one thing i hate in found footage movies 
like why are you filming this moment yes it had so someone, much so much someone's like having a breakdown yes. or something and they're like let, let me, me film yeah. you having a, <laughs> an emotional breakdown like as opposed to uh in the visit it's like this girl's making a documentary she wants to capture these types of moments to make her documentary more interesting so it makes sense right paranormal activity is like they're just trying to capture the ghost to prove that the ghost is real there's no reason to capture your girlfriend crying on her bed or whatever (laughs) like it's there for the sake of the audience but it's so obvious that it's there for the sake of the audience so i think yeah i appreciated that the visit like avoided having those except for this is my big gripe about the visit at the very end when Catherine hahn is like having her like oscar moment oh yeah yeah <laughs> she's kind of trying to have her like olivia williams at the end of the sixth sense <laughs> moment and i'm like the movie's over like just roll the credits we don't need this like my mom left me and i was so sad like, <laughs> i don't care like once you leave the, the grandparents house the movie's, yeah, the movie's done, done. like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done i don't care about this yeah, part that was like really the, the kid doing his rap yeah. that's like the credits are rolling off the to the side so it's fine and i was like wait i don't even remember this little subplot about that like i was like wait that, that was part of her character kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah it's not important enough and i think that was just Shyamalan trying to sneak in a little bit of drama because to remind mind people like remember i'm a dramatic guy who was nominated yeah. for an oscar blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not really needed or maybe it's like because the movie is kind of slight and it's like yeah we need some more depth to this kind of thing like you know yeah i could i could see that but unnecessarily i don't know i did i didn't yeah <laughs> i'm okay with it being like a fun I th- 90 I think minute it's like a fun nine, yeah kind of thing yeah um Weird question, but did you think that The Sixth Sense should have won Best Picture in 1999 Over... instead of American yes. Beauty? Now, now that you say American <laughs> Beauty, yeah, I don't think I don't think American Beauty's aged very well. I don't think it holds up very well. No, not um, at all. It, to me, American Beauty is the ultimate like 90s Gen X yep. complaining about being bored movie. Yeah. Like, like Gen X people in the nineties, like their lives are actually pretty good right. by comparison to all the shit that has happened f- from the Bush years to now, but still being like, I'm mildly discontented. <laughs> like that kind of feeling. Now is that movie cursed? Like, like you have that, everything that happens with Kevin Spacey. Um, you know, he'll never work again. Right. Um, Thor, Thor oh, Birch has yeah. made the, some of the worst decisions. Um, uh, like career, career decisions. decisions. I mean, yeah. I loved Ghost. She did Ghost. One of my favorite right movies of all time. Yeah, American but Pie. then she ended up. But she since then, I don't. She's done the <laughs> like. I'm not really sure Mickey what Rock she's thing. done. She's turned down tons and tons of movies that ended up either being good or making a ton of money to make a bunch of like Dungeons and Dragons style schlocky. I, uh, I, she geez. was one of those cases. I think you know she was underage in American Beauty. And I think her dad mismanaged her career terrible. He was just, um, you know, he he ended up getting her blackballed in some ways. Um, You know, um, so I I don't know if that's... uh, That's that's kind of sad. And then Mena Savari, her career's gone nowhere, right? Oh, and Annette Bening's in them. Do you know Annette Bening's my cousin? So um, that's something. She's still... Really? Yeah, Annette (laughs) Bening is my cousin on my mom's dad's side. Uh, I, I, I did the math one time, third, fourth. I don't remember what it was exactly, but 
She's uh, my grandfather was okay. my grandfather was her 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 great no, no no it wouldn't work that way. My grandfather was like her father's brother or something. I don't know something something like that. So anyway, there's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the only the only like semi famous person that I'm like distantly related to is uh, Rocket Richard, the oh dead hockey player. Yeah, of course, <laughs> the Canadian. Yeah, you should get. I, like, I've yeah, seen his card sometimes on the internet on eBay. You should get his card. My, my dad has a lot of Maurice Richard oh, okay. like memorabilia yeah, in our basement he, and stuff he's, he's because very, he's, he's, quite famous. he's like a third cousin or sure. something like <laughs> like my. Yeah, my dad's mom, I think, is a Richard. Oh, so okay. they're they're from like the same family. <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, Distant. Yeah, I was gonna say what Wes Bentley too, like had kind of a weird career he, after yep, American kind of Beauty. Like he got really, stuff. I think he got really into heroin yeah. and like kind of ruined his career for a bit, and then he he cleaned up, and now he's doing a lot better and. Um, every, every time I see him in stuff, though, I feel like they just couldn't get Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> and he was available. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> like, because like, I always like think that it's Jake Gyllenhaal for about ten seconds, and then I'm like, oh wait, no, it, it's Tobey Maguire. No, wait, no, it's it's Wes Bentley. <laughs> like, uh, like the, all those guys are so samey, and they're all around the same age, and they were all in the similar types of movies in the late '90s, kind of sure. thing, because. Toby Maguire was also in uh, Cider House Rules in 1999, which was oh, also yeah. nominated for Best Picture. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I just like before the sh- the reason I ask is before the show started, I looked up all the 1999 Best Picture nominees, not the best crop okay. <laughs> for uh, like compared to uh, like 2007 was a really good year. 1994 was really great. 1999 was kind of mm-hmm. meh. Um, I think besides, I mentioned Cider House Rules and and American Pie, um, and then obviously The Sixth Sense, and then I think, I don't even remember what the other two are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm looking it up right now, what were the other... While you're doing that, let let me, we we talked a lot about it, and Sixth Sense, now here's a criticism I saw in one of the videos I watched. Now, they say, okay, the ghosts... Now, the ghosts are very inconsistent, right? The Misha Barton ghost, she's like, you know, she has a mystery to solve, basically. She's like, my stepmom or whatever poisoned me, and now she's hurting my sister. You need to get this tape to my dad to save her and to expose my evil stepmom. Now, like, what would, like, the kid with the head blown off? Like, the kid who's like, hey, you want to see my dad's gun? Like, first of all, why does that kid think, did that kid used to live in that house? You know... Maybe no, because Misha mm. Barton. Yeah, I'm, assu- I'm assuming the gun. Oh yeah, like maybe not, because like you said, yeah, Misha Barton traveled to, to meet right. him, and I don't think so it's... He, he might have done the same. And did, did the abused wife live there? Like, what does she want? Does she want him to go expose the husband? And then, like, there's the burn lady. Pro- probably could be right. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> The gun kid, I don't, I don't know, know like, a, yeah, with him, it's like, maybe he wants him to put a bunch of gun safety posters around the town. And now the ghosts <laughs> so don't a, know they're there's, dead. There's just a deleted scene right. of him, like, stapling gun safety posters onto telephone poles. And Shyamalan was like, this is kind of boring, maybe I'll cut this. And if he doesn't know he's dead, but that's how he died, you know, there's kind of a little bit of weirdness going on there. 
Um, there's the bicyclist in the end. What, like, what, what, what does she want? You know, now maybe they, they just want simple request. Maybe they just want Cole to be like, Hey, go tell my, don't go tell my daughter that, um, that I love yeah, her. I love or, her yeah. or, or yeah. Hey, check the kitchen drawer. Like I hit a, I hit a diamond under the floorboard that I wanted to give to you on your wedding day. And if you don't find it, someone, you know, no one will, you know, maybe silly things like that. You know, but Misha Barton actually had sort of a whodunit sort of thing, but you know, or like the hanging ghosts. Why are the hanging ghosts still hanging? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that part. <laughs> well, I mean, that part had to be there to kind of explain how he knew. Yeah, he that knew the that the courthouse used to there. hang people, right? Um, but yeah, I feel like we didn't need to see the right. hanging ghosts. That it, was like my it one opens up a kind bunch of questions. Gripe. I was like. What do they, yeah. what do they want from Cole? Can they leave? You know, obviously the well, and how long? How long is someone going to stay a ghost as right. well? Like, are there? Yeah, because this is like colonial times. Ghosts, right? Are there cavemen ghosts? <laughs> yeah, great, great point. Who can, who can't really communicate to to Cole because they're just like ooga booga. Because he talks to Grandma. <laughs> He's like, um, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> grandma makes sense you know grandma's like hey i want my daughter to know i'm proud of her that makes sense yeah i feel like there would be i feel like the statute of limitations on ghosts would be like as long as there's someone alive who still remembers right. you kind of thing but yeah with the hanging ghost then that doesn't, doesn't really yeah. hold up because i don't think there'd be anyone from like philadelphia is a really old city so this yeah. is like 16th, 16th century, century 17th century, century free, free like States. There, there's not going to be anyone around that remembers these this family yeah. like and maybe they were wrongfully they were wrongfully later. hanged for witchcraft but what but i but yeah, why are I they still hanging the like you know everyone else is moving around misha barton traveled a great distance How, these guys are have they been hanging since the six? Now this is where we get into cinema sense. Unless they, of, unless know. they, yeah, maybe it's kind of a weird thing where they like pop in and out of reality. Right, right. Um, like the the burnt woman like is at the side, the scene of the crime. Right, the burnt woman is where the fire happens. Yeah, and she's moving. You know, it, it just it definitely opens up questions. Now it it doesn't take away from the movie at all to me I, it, it was just one of the and, it, and then i don't even like feel i don't know maybe i did see that on one of the recap videos but it, it, i remember also thinking that after i watched the movie where bruce willis is like yeah help them he helps bruce willis he helps misha barton now there's certain ghosts you think like you said grandma is proud of you okay go pass this message on to my son that would be that that's fine there's other ones that sort of you wonder like okay you know abused woman gunshot guy now he does help the burned woman too because right she leaves him happy i wonder what though now again it could be something simple like hey go tell go tell this this old lady living in whatever that i i'm proud of her you know and maybe it is as simple as that maybe ghosts don't want much you know probably not i think yeah i think it's just like if you die you're gonna have like two or three things that you're like ah oh, i wish i could yeah. have done that i wish i let my son that. know this <laughs> and i wish i let my wife know this yeah. So, yeah or hey there's like i said there's a there's a diamond buried in the, the floorboards and i forgot and but i think i think with all of Shyamalan's movies if you think about them too hard they start to fall yeah. apart. I mean, I mean, some you don't like the happening. You, you don't have to think about, yeah. that hard at all. And it <laughs> <Yeah>. falls apart. <laughs> it falls apart on like the first watch, but like, 
uh, even as, as earlier movies that people tend to have more respect yeah. for, like Signs makes no sense. No. Like the aliens land on a planet that's 75% water and they're allergic to water. <laughs> yeah. Like they really didn't, unless they're, unless they're really desperate, like their planet exploded and they just need anything Right. in order to survive and they're like this planet is covered yeah. by the stuff that poisons us but it, it's a planet but, like there's some <laughs> there's some land so just stay in that part right. like but really it, it kind of makes no sense if you if you think about yeah. it and yeah same with the village same especially with, the village with the yeah. sixth sense um yeah but I think they're not. You're not meant to yeah. pick them yeah. apart too and, much. And I don't pick I think them it's apart while I'm watching it, which is an important thing. The emotional. No, none of these yeah. things took me out of the movie, so that's an important thing. Yeah, it's fun to talk about later. It's fun to look at a YouTube video that's like you know, ding, you know, whatever. But um, mm. you know, it's it as long as it doesn't take you out of the moment or or like i said if they cheated and it's like wait bruce willis was having conversations with tony collette none of this makes sense now that would have been stupid you know yeah unless there was a thing at the end where it's like you got the sixth sense from me I oh, that, would, that, would, that would have been really stupid <laughs> like, too yeah <laughs> I it. Uh, how about tony speaking of oscar <laughs> she was nominated she was wonderful she was so good in that yeah, I didn't. I actually completely forgot that she was in it. It was Me one too. of those things where, like, when I saw yes. The Sixth Sense because I was younger, I didn't know who Tony right, Collette was. Right, right. I don't, in <laughs> and now I'm, I'm older. I've seen her. In, I've seen her in like a bunch of other stuff. So I'm like, oh yeah, Tony Collette. Holy crap, she's so young. Very um, attractive too. Very attractive. And yeah, but way more attractive than I, I remembered her being. Um, so yeah, that was kind of an interesting thing to to real like. I remember that Olivia Williams uh, was in it, and obviously yeah, Bruce she's Willis, someone. But who, I didn't I didn't know who played the the mom. It's, it's, and, yeah, speaking of Bruce Willis, we touched on a little um, about how bad like the bad Bruce Willis is unwatchable. Like made to like I don't know if you watched this Comedy Central Central Comedy Central roast where Edward Norton just destroyed him for basically these paycheck movies. And I guess he's like a difficult guy to work with when he does promotions for these movies. Yeah. He's like, you can tell he hasn't watched the movie. He doesn't know the plot. He only knows like the, the one and a half <laughs> days that he filmed, um, you know? Yeah. He like, he, he destroys people. Like if, if the interviewer, it like can't keep up with right. him. He's not nice. No, he's to he's not a nice guy. Like... And I and I guess he's. I, I know Kevin Smith is. Yeah, Kevin Smith also is probably. It probably someone of a guy has had some problems. But uh, with people, people aren't don't love Kevin Smith either. Uh, not everyone. Lo- not everyone loves Kevin Smith because of this. Like, but Kevin Smith and him in, in notably had problems on Cop Out. Is that movie? I haven't seen it, but. Yeah, that's a terrible. I hated yeah. that movie. <laughs> said Bruce Willis was the that one was like the cut. that was where Bruce Willis's career was real. Every after Die Hard four, I think was where his career really started to uh, take a nosedive into those like, like you were saying those like straight to red. Oh, and he box. does hundreds of them. Well, hundreds of exaggeration, but he does it. He does Streaming. a lot of them. He yeah, he Nicholas Cage as yeah. well. Like, now I know so, Cage is like bankrupt. He, he has to pay the mortgage on his fifteen houses. Right. So. Cage is in, in dire <laughs> financial straits, and Cage also yeah. makes movies like Pig that are awesome. Interesting. Like he works in those good movies. I don't yeah, know. he makes he makes interesting movies. I'm as sure well. Bruce Willis will, but be only in a, he makes like one movie. interesting weird yeah. horror movie, like Mandy or yeah. Pig a For year, and then he makes like eight. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he makes at least like ten like really terrible like shot in Romania yeah. 
uh, movies. John Cusack, he's in. He's sort of in the you know former star who's doing the doing the VOD circuit kind of thing. Steven Seagal, um, yeah, a lot of these like yeah, name definitely. guys. <laughs> um, and sometimes it'll surprise you. I wanted to bring up a, an interesting comparison because it just popped into my head. Um, but I was I watched a, a video on YouTube earlier about uh, Christopher Nolan okay. and like the problem with Christopher Nolan's movies being that he kind of <clears throat> there's an overemphasis on exposition and like the characters kind of over explain everything sure. <laughs> like every single scene is like the characters like normally you get your exposition out of the way in the opening scene and then. Uh, every other scene after that is like action or character development, but he's like every scene there's something new being right, explained yeah. kind of thing, I can see that. Uh, which I, I still love Christopher Nolan and I think he's a great director, but he does have that problem. I will agree with that, especially in like Interstellar. Tenet, Tenet it was, was Tenet really was too, bad. Yeah, Tenet, Tenet took, took me out of it, I think, because of that. Yeah, Tenet was no character development no. at all. I didn't feel connected to these characters whatsoever and it was entirely exposition although the the action scenes were brilliantly choreographed yes. but i just felt completely disconnected from the mm -hmm. film but i was thinking Shyamalan is kind of like the opposite of christopher <laughs> nolan like he's uh christopher nolan is very much on the cerebral thinking like explaining side like uh right i guess it would be your left brain mm -hmm. i think is like the logic part of your brain uh, whereas Shyamalan is entire his movies are entirely right brained right. like they're more in the the creative and emotional part of your brain like he doesn't spend any time like we were saying in the sixth sense like it could have been one of those movies where Cole sits down with uh, I forget Bruce Willis's character's name like the the psychologist <laughs> and just explains every single facet of like, here's how long ghosts can be around. Right, Sometimes exactly. they phase in and out of reality. Yeah. They lose this time. Is why they, these like explaining yeah. the entire mechanics of the universe. And if it was directed by Nolan, it they would have had that yeah. kind of <laughs> thing to it. Uh, but Shyamalan is a lot less interested in that sort of like the mechanics of it and much more interested in the emotional, yes. like feeling side of it which i think is what draws people into his movies so much because he focuses so much on the emotional aspects and on the i guess maison sen sure. the, the technical term. i mean the girl in the visit talks about maison sen mm. so would you say that probably also polarizes him too right yeah because the people who don't get into that or the people who are more left-brained i think like the people who are more logical and lean towards more the christopher nolan type of movies tend to not enjoy the Shyamalan type of movies because they're the people who think about it and they're like wait a second this twist is stupid because blah 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 and they think about all the plot holes and stuff uh but i think Shyamalan isn't super interested in that as he is with just uh kind of drawing you into the film and there's there's not a lot of movies these days that really take the time to draw me into the movie. Like they just kind of start and they're into it and we're into the right. action and I'm kind of disconnected from the experience and then it's over. Uh, whereas Shyamalan does take the time with those 10 second establishing shots of a football stadium or whatever uh, to, to give you that, that breathing room to actually get a chance to get into the film. Mm -hmm. Uh and there's there's not enough movies that do that. I think I talked before in another episode too about like opening. There's no opening credits in movies anymore. Just the cold open, 
and it just tells you the title of the movie. Sometimes not even that. Sometimes there's not even a title and it just starts, right. uh, which is also very much a Christopher Nolan thing. Like he was very much the proponent of no opening credits. The movie just starts, you know, it says yeah, the, the title, it says yeah. Tenet, and, then yeah. we're, and then we're in it <laughs> and every, all the credits are going to be at the end. Uh, but I like the opening credits because they give you a chance to sit back and, and kind of, kind of give yourself like five minutes to lose whatever you did that day. You know, like you, you argued with someone 20 minutes ago. Okay. These 10 minutes during this opening credits, uh, while they're, while Danny Elfman is playing the Batman theme and we're zooming around through the Batman Mm -hmm. logo during those five, six, seven minutes, I'm going to forget about this argument. I'm going to lose whatever happened during the day. And okay, now I'm into the world of the movie and we don't really get that anymore. And I think it makes for like more of a, like I said, it's kind of a disconnected experience for movies. Uh, but Shyamalan gets that. It's yes. as much as I complain about some, some of his directorial choices, like I said, are a bit, bit film schooly. Yeah. <laughs> they go, especially in Lady in the Water is terrible for that. <laughs> Lady in the Water has so many of those long single takes from like a weird angle and i'm like why why this angle and why only this take (laughs) why why are we not getting like there's one shot where it's entirely over one character's shoulder on a balcony looking down on another character and i'm like why are we not getting coverage of of uh uh, paul giamatti's character looking back up at the girl on the balcony Like, this feels like a choice, like you're not showing us her face on purpose, but then in the next scene, we see her face. Right, right, So right. there's no there's no reason yeah. for that weird angle over her shoulder looking down from the balcony for, for an entire three-minute scene. Like, just shoot one extra shot of her, like, just get that coverage. <laughs> That's the pretentiousness <laughs> like, that people stuff. don't like. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, it's like, okay, this is getting pretentious yeah. and i think that's why people especially once we got to the lady in the waters yeah. of the world like that's where he started to lose people because they were like okay this is getting way overly pretentious yeah. this guy thinks that he's the greatest filmmaker of all time and he's not yeah. <laughs> um but that's why i like that Shyamalan has kind of found his place in the the blumhouse world yeah. because you can't really make per- super pretentious movies for Blumhouse. Um, now, I, I didn't see old, so I'm wondering, like, how does old, because you did see it, like, how does it fit into all of that? Um, Are there, like, overly pretentious Shyamalan-esque moments in it kind of thing? There's 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 the weird silliness where, where like, there's a character who's, like, a, like a YouTube rapper. I think it's actually one of the characters in the family. They, his name is Midsize Sedan. And I think that's trying to get a laugh, okay. and it didn't really work. Wow. Um, I don't remember there being. I don't remember like the the, the shots being distractingly. It, it's I, I remember being shot well, like in, in that it keeps your attention. It's enjoyable. Okay. Um, the aging is done well. Characters make very weird decisions, which is somewhat kind of kind of. Um, something it doesn't hold up as far as the uh the the premise is fine but the twist doesn't make any sense if you spend 30 seconds thinking about it you'd be like wait 
that wouldn't that so it's kind of like signs yeah you'd be like yeah yeah exactly you'd be like hey that wouldn't work <laughs> that's not how that's not how things work is how the, the, but it's fine within the movie's universe mm-hmm. is i guess is what what i'd say um it's okay. not great um it's the the i think a couple of problems the trailer gives away way too much um and but it's a fun watch and I think if the trailer hadn't given away so much, I would have liked it a lot more because I would have been like, hey, wait, what's going on here? This is weird. Instead of like, OK, I know what's going to happen. I don't know if I saw the trailer for old. So maybe I'd be OK. That might, that might be good. Position. Yeah, that might. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything because um, it's I think it'd be fine if you I, it's it's a rewatchable one. I think it'd be fine even if you knew what was going to happen. It wouldn't be bad. It's still, it's still the, like how the characters are, how the characters see the situation they're in is interesting. I think that part's that part's well done. Um, I was is it okay. like a return to? I form? mean, every every Shyamalan movie I saw has already been spoiled. For right, me you anyways. said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either either from friends telling me what happened or like YouTube videos that just sure. like do a whole review of the movie kind of See, thing. I saw Sixth uh, Sense so and, I, and Unbreakable both both completely blind and I was both like I said I, Unbreakable is it a twist? Yeah, it is a twist, not the same way as Sixth Sense. But the whole when Samuel Jackson does his reveal, I remember as a kid, I wasn't a kid, I was I don't know in my 20s, but I was still like, "Whoa, this is awesome. Wow, this whole time he's been just setting disasters and doing awful things to find Bruce Willis and he's not like this mentor kind of guy. He's actually a supervillain." And then like when he says, "You know, the kids call me Mr. Glass." I'm like, "Greatest line ever." And I was like, "Like like like this is so awesome." And I hated the little um the crawl or whatever you call it, like the the you know, Elijah Price was sentenced to five years. That yeah, was stupid. I was, I was yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I I feel like that's probably the weakest part of Unbreakable. I've read form. that that's a, like, that I was a studio needed... decision. That that was the studio because test audience were like, oh, that's not fair that that he doesn't get arrested. So they added that at the end. They're like, why wouldn't Bruce Willis call the cops on oh, him? Oh, you know? okay, maybe. See, I thought it was because apparently Shyamalan had a much longer treatment for Unbreakable and he only shot like the first third of mm-hmm. it. And then he saved the rest of it for uh, Split and Glass. And I thought that was like, he he kind of knew that in the rest of it, he wanted them to go to the insane asylum. But maybe you're right. Maybe that was like putting the insane asylum in glass was a reaction to the studio making him put mm. that little... Okay. Uh, postscript type of thing. I've actually, I've actually heard it both ways. I've heard the studio. I hated that part too. That was, it was stupid. <laughs> I, I've heard the studio made the do postscript, but I've also heard the, and this is this is going back to when it came out. Studio and M Night expected it to do six cents numbers, and it was profitable, but not nearly as profitable as expected. So that's why they didn't go ahead and do the split and glass follow up. But from what I understand that the unbreakable as it's originally 20 years ago, the, the trilogy wasn't necessarily split than glass. It was going to be vastly different. No. Than, yeah. You know? Yeah. Split split was, act- this is kind of a weird, interesting thing. I don't, have you seen devil his movie yes. that like he didn't direct? I actually saw that in the it? theater, believe it or not. 
Um, it was one of those Friday nights on a date. Okay. And there's nothing else to see. Interesting. It was fine. It was fine. Because I remember that movie. There's like a, a viral video of like the trailer for mm. it playing in a, in a movie theater and everyone laughing when M. Night Shyamalan's name pops up because he was such a yeah, joke. Yeah, by that time he at was. At that point yeah. in his career. But I didn't. I, I watched Devil along with all the other things that I watched for this show and I didn't mind it. I, I thought it was going to be dumber than it was. It's not um, good. And it, it had some dumb moments. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it definitely had some stupid moments. But it, it was entertaining for like an 80 minute yeah, horror exactly. movie. It kept my attention. Uh, the but theater, apparently, so. like at the beginning of Devil, it says like the Night Chronicles one. And it was supposed to be the first part in a trilogy uh, that Split was going to be the third part. Oh, OK. <clears throat> and then when the rest of the Night Chronicles didn't happen because Devil underperformed, although it still made a yeah, profit. Like all these movies sure do. He always makes money. Yeah. But it, it underperformed. So they didn't make the other two Night Chronicles. And the second one, I guess, I think it's called it was supposed to be called um, Reincarnate or Reincarnated or something. Okay. And it's still hasn't yet to be made. Hmm. Um. But then the third one was going to be Split, and then he decided to just make Split himself, and he decided to, to, to tie, tie it in. into Okay, that the, makes sense. Because for me, Split universe. doesn't work as a sequel, because there's not enough Bruce Willis or Samuel L. Jackson. But it's not I mean, It's not really supposed to be no, a sequel, it's supposed I don't to be think. A universe I mean, kind of thing. Actually, that's... That's the twist of Split. Right. Like we talked right. about him having a twist and yeah. everything. Like, it, and it's kind of brilliant, it actually. It's like, like the twist of Split is that it is a yeah, sequel that exists, in especially the in a world, especially in a world of like when Split came out it was twenty seventeen, I think, mm-hmm. and like everything being made was a sequel. And everything had a you universe. Would think you would want it. Yeah. Yeah, you would think you would want to advertise like this movie is the sequel to Unbreakable. Yeah, like you would totally want to tell people, people that so you'd get more money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you decided to make the fact that it is in the same universe a twist is to me it's kind of fascinating and, and kind of ballsy because I think he lost money by not yes, putting on the poster absolutely. Unbreakable 2 <laughs> colon split. <laughs> I, I I think in a perfect world he would have done Unbreakable three years later, Unbreakable 2, three years later, Unbreakable 3. And it would have been the original vision, yeah. and Split would have been part of whatever universe it was part of, and Glass would have been, Glass maybe would have been Unbreakable 3, just vastly different as far as the characters and certain things. But I, I, I just yeah. think, like, I remember, I remember reading on, it wasn't Reddit at the time, but whatever people read in 2001, about movies i remember reading a lot of people <laughs> like geo city yeah, exactly. blogs or whatever yeah. <laughs> use that i remember people throwing out really good ideas yeah. about how like this this should be sort of the next sequel that elijah is in jail but that bruce willis goes to him for advice hannibal Lecter style and there's a lot of things you could have done with that and um oh, yeah. you know because the the mom at the end of unbreakable talks about there being two types of villains there's like the mastermind yes kind of villain and there's like the, the big muscle brawny guy and then in in glass we got, we the, got two the two types, types of villains yeah. uh, but i think yeah i think it would have been interesting if they did make it like you said like three years later they make yeah unbreakable two uh maybe not like a split personality guy but i think they would he would have done the same thing where like you know uh elijah price is in is in an insane asylum Bruce Willis visits him and he has to beat this time, like the big brawny guy who's like uh, just as tough as he is kind of thing. And then, then the third movie, Elijah Price breaks out of 
of prison or insane asylum or whatever, right. and they have to battle each other. Right. With, they have with, like their epic yeah. confrontation. I'm assuming that was probably something along the lines of like where he was going with it. Uh, but I think in some ways the way it turned out is more interesting because it's almost like in the in the way that Unbreakable was a anti-superhero movie or like a um, like kind of a comment on superhero right. movies deconstruction uh, I've seen used or yeah deconstruction of a super of the superhero genre Glass was like a deconstruction of the superhero cinematic universe genre right. like here's Subverting this was Shyamalan saying like i'm gonna yeah like i'm gonna build my own version of the avengers but like the weird creepy Shyamalan avengers where everyone has like some kind of mental illness <laughs> kind of thing and make make it more interesting i almost wish that it would that it had gone further like i'm almost sad that it was just like they just after doing Splitty just did yeah, glass and it too. feels like this I is wanted there to be three up. more. I'm like ah, oh. because yeah. I enjoyed <laughs> the scenes in Glass when they were all talking and stuff. Like I enjoyed all that. I thought that was great. I I was upset when they killed the characters. Yeah, and I, I like I like how it uh, how it expands the universe in terms of like introducing this society that kind of knows that there's right. these superheroes and they're the ones who are stopping it, kind of thing. I do, I do feel it's possible that there could be a unbreakable slash glass like spinoff yeah, in using the future Spencer uh, uh, in terms of like a TV, like a TV show type. Oh of yeah, thing. that would be, be cool. interesting. If Shyamalan, yeah, like if Shyamalan produced like a Netflix series that takes place in the same universe. What, what's the What's the woman's name? The, the, Netflix, call the, me. Yeah, the one from Split. <laughs> Um, the Anna something, right? Oh, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. She's great. She's also in Queen's Gambit right. and the the Witch. I would think, <laughs> or the Witch, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think she would. I think that'd be yeah, that'd be a great idea. He, he did Servants, right? And I I've seen a couple episodes. It's good. It's really good. Um, the TV. And he, well, okay. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's pretty yeah, good. I saw it on the Stuckman channel, and I and then I caught I think the pilot afterwards. It's slow moving, but it's really good. And he did the one which I liked the first season, but then it kind of fell apart. Uh, Whispering Pines, I think it was called. Oh, wait, Wayward, Wayward Pines? Pines. Yeah, I think yeah. Was that about werewolves or something? It, it just got <laughs> weird. At first, it was sort of like a Twin Peaks sort of thing, you know, just an FBI agent. Oh, okay, but then like you can't leave the town, and then you find. It. But then like, oh yeah, it was it was like trying to be Twin yeah. Peaksy kind. It was of. like Twin Peaks and Westworld kind of in a way. It was kind of weird. Even Riverdale. Kind of the first season of Riverdale was like a teen version of Twin Peaks, kind of, and then it just got stupid in the second. I've heard that. I've, I've heard that. I'm assuming subsequent. I haven't seen it since halfway through season two because I just gave up on it. <laughs> Wayward Pines was weird because it like they rewrote the entire series. Like they're like, yeah, okay, here's season one, and let's get rid of everyone and change everything, and Matt Dillon's gone and. Terrence Howard's gone, and it was weird. It was just a, it was, oh. it was just a weird. It was interesting. It was yeah. good. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would keep watching past that. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they explained it. They didn't just disappear, but it was just sort of. I don't know. I binged it like 2015 or something. Oh, okay, and I and I remember thinking like, wow, there's so much goodness underneath this show that I wish it was. Um, I wish it. 
I wish it hit its potential. You know, it was so mm, it was so close. That's how I that's how I felt about Riverdale. Right, <laughs> I had gone into the second season. I was like, oh, this show had so much potential, missed, and guys, kind of thing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you ever talk to your mom about how things are? I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else, and I don't want her to. I don't want her to know. Know what? I forgot about the Academy Award oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, the other two movies that I couldn't think of were The Insider, okay, uh, which with Russell Crowe, which I really like that movie. I, I feel really like that's it. probably the the most closest contender. Uh, and then The Green Mile, oh, which no, no. good. I like I like The it's Green fine. Mile not as not nearly as much as Shawshank Redemption, no, exactly. Um, but it's still it's still good. But I think out of all of those, I would probably pick The Sixth Sense to to be my best picture, just because it had the most audience impact, yeah. or the most like cultural impact. I guess I would too. out of all five of those oh, movies, it's, it's beautifully shot. Um, the performances are all really good. It's you know the best you're going to see Bruce Willis. <laughs> what's the the cinematographer is like a japanese guy tak fujimoto or oh, yeah, something like yeah. that uh shot i think he shot most of Shyamalan's other movies um i think he's retired now if i'm not mistaken his imdb goes up to like 2014 2015 and kind of stops so <laughs> i don't i don't think he's working anymore but yeah beautiful beautiful cinematography now is this is um, it the is it the peak of men okay it's it's the Haley joe osmond peak it's the Bruce Willis peak. It's the Misha Barton peak. Um, is it the Olivia Williams peak? No, because that would be Rushmore, right? Uh, this and Rushmore came out around the same time, so right, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, I guess. And then I don't know. I guess she must do stuff, and she must do a lot of British stuff because I don't see her in anything. I actually just uh, weirdly enough, be, right before we started recording, uh, I watched. Two David Cronenberg oh. movies today. Uh, his his first movie, Shivers, okay. because it's on uh, it's on YouTube for oh, free. I'll watch that. I don't know if it will be for very sure. long. <laughs> okay, um, get it while it's hot. And it's it's actually it's it's like a special uh, it's the special like TIFF restoration. Oh, cool uh, that they did. Uh, and then I, after that, I watched Maps to the Stars, which is his most recent movie. So jumping ahead forty years. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Um, I, I like Shivers, not his, not his best early movie. Mm. I, I think, uh, his best like pre scanners movie is probably the brood, but I hated maps to the stars. Really? Okay. <laughs> I really hope, I really hope his next movie, because his next movie is getting Viggo Mortensen back. Um, and it's based on an older script that he wrote in like the eighties. So it sounds like it's going to be really cool. Um, so I'm hoping that kind of rescues him. But anyways, Olivia Williams is in uh, Maps, Maps to the okay. Stars. And it, it references The Sixth Sense as well, because there's a point where she sees like a... The movie is kind of vague on whether or not it's a ghost or a hallucination. 
um, or no, sorry, it's not her seeing it. It's Julianne Moore's character sees like a quote unquote ghost, and the ghost says something about like, oh yeah, it's not like the sixth sense. It's totally different when you're a ghost. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm talking about the sixth sense in like an hour after I finished this movie. Um, So yeah, I wouldn't recommend Maps to the Stars unless you're like me and you're just a a David Cronenberg completist. Would you recommend Cosmopolis? I haven't seen Cosmopolis. That's the other one. That, yeah, there's like two or three of his movies I still haven't seen yet. Cosmopolis is one of I'm them. I'm a big fan of History which of I Violence. Which I heard is also not very good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I love History of Violence, and I love... Oh, I love Promises. all of his, all of his like, Viggo Mortensen uh, collaborations. Like, History of Violence, Eastern Promises, and Dangerous, Dangerous Method. Method yeah. all I haven't seen Dangerous Method. I, re- I really like the Dangerous Method as well. But then after that, he when he stopped working with Mortensen... I don't know. Did they just they they vibe? I guess. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking really forward to them working together again because, uh, yeah, he hasn't. In my opinion, he hasn't made a bad movie with Mortensen yet. Speaking, of, did you um, see Existence? Yeah, it was on. They added it to Shutter, oh, and cool. I just watched it like a couple months ago. I remember I used to watch that it. Movie on, is I weird. used to watch it all the time because it came on <laughs> HBO or Max or one when I was a kid, and my parents had that. Oh, Not okay. when I was a kid, but I was like, like seventeen or something. And I remember it was just one of those movies in the rotation, and I would always like watch part of it. I don't think I ever sat and watched front to back because I'd always end up watching sort of like. 30 minutes here, but I got it all. It's kind of a cool movie. I don't know. It's interesting. That movie has a cool concept, but I felt like, and I I rarely say this with movies because usually I feel like if a movie gets too big of a budget, it kind of ruins it, like too many cooks type of thing. But Existence needed 20, 30, 40 million more dollars to like realize its own vision. It's it's way too cheap looking for like they go into like the virtual video game world and it's supposed to be this cool world and it's just like a warehouse with five people (laughs) in it and i'm like this is your virtual reality video game is just like a a, an old abandoned fish fish factory with like 20 chinese immigrants working in it like this looks really cheap (laughs) and it's it's obviously it's because it's a david cronenberg movie and he has a smaller audience and they're not going to get the big giant budget but it just didn't do that movie any favors i think Um, as opposed to like something like Dead Ringers or Scanners, Scanners or something like has has like a smaller budget, but it's fine because it's it's a smaller right. story. It's such a self contained story. Right. Um, yeah, Existence is the kind of movie. If someone said I'm going to remake Existence, I would be okay with it because it's like if you remade it with a bigger budget, but like the same kind of concept, I think it could actually be pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to, to kind of say about, uh, Shyamalan. Like we, we mentioned his, his kind of his career path, kind of Bruce Willis's career path, um, how these movies kind of fit into the trajectory of superhero movies. Yeah. Um, there was one thing I wanted to mention, there's an interesting Roger Ebert quote that I kind of I, I copied and pasted into my notes from, from his Unbreakable review. Uh, he said, if the earlier film, referring to The Sixth Sense, seemed mysteriously low-key until an ending that came like an electric jolt, this one is more fascinating along the way, although the ending is not quite satisfactory. And 
I was like, yes, <laughs> amen. Like that's how I felt about Unbreakable exactly. Like Unbreakable, I think, is a slightly more satisfactory movie in terms of like drama, mm-hmm. uh, but the ending to me is kind of disappointing. Like I, I don't have a problem with the twist of Glass being like a bad guy. But it's just like it's revealed and then it just ends. Yeah. And they have that like poster thing, and I'm like, that's it? Like there should be a, a scene after yeah. like he should he should walk out and then like there should be a scene of him hugging his kid or something. Right. Like just something. I don't know. Like it just yeah, I was disappointed by the ending, and I think that's probably was a lot of people's complaint about Unbreakable yes. because the sixth sense ending is just so satisfying. And so, like, mind-blowing that Unbreakables comes along and you're like, oh, that's it? And then it just Right, ends. and then you want, and then <laughs> I wanted like, a lot more. Like, goes to an insane asylum? Like, oh. Yeah, I just, I wanted more. I wanted, and it maybe may yeah. that's due to the pacing, you know. Another five minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and it maybe, and if, maybe if he trimmed some of the fat from the earlier stuff, it would have been timely to have something kind of, you know. You know, it's just such a slow paced movie. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit too slow in some parts. I, I just say. there's certain scenes like those, those 10 minute or not 10 minute, those like 10 second establishing yep. shots could have been five and seconds scenes at the breakfast shots. table when like just the time it takes to slide the newspaper across and pour a glass of milk. It's just, you know, and it works. I'm not, I'm not saying it as a negative. It works on your first watch and it just draws you into the, like the tension and stuff, but the, and the sadness of his character. But at the same time, when it's all said and done and over, you're like, Hey, I want to know what happens next kind of thing, you know? And I guess glass yeah, gives us that. Yeah, or at you least know, just... glass shows that he and his son, yeah, that's you know? why after after that movie ended, I was like, I'm glad that there's more yes. uh, to this. That there's a there's a sequel yeah. that continues. And then this, you say, okay, well, he kept, he kept solving crime. He kept on, you know, he kept on saving people. You know, he and his son went into sort of. But a, even in Glass, there's a little bit of ambiguity of like he just goes and beats up a guy who's like beating up hobos on the internet kind of thing. Right. It's like. Does this guy really deserve to? I mean, kind of like yeah, yeah, because he's an asshole. But like, it it's kind of in a gray zone. Like like I said, he's not he's not stopping serial killers or like he wants to, right. but he's wasting his time right. like beating up these. Punks yeah, he he wants he's because kind of he, his son is making him like this internet star kind of thing. You know, yeah. There was a yeah, there was a lot of interesting the elements that were explored in Glass, so I, I didn't I didn't mind it, and I liked Split too, but I didn't love Split. I think as much as a lot of other people loved Split, right? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I can't put my finger on why particularly. I just didn't get into it. I guess as much as I did like Unbreakable or The Visit or some of his other movies. Yeah. Um. I, that was one actually like split was a movie I kind of wish had taken more of the Christopher Nolan route. Like I kept asking questions in my mind, like how does this, how does this multiple personality thing work? Yeah. And the movie didn't <laughs> give me enough of an explanation. And I was like, this is one of the few Shyamalan movies. I want more exposition. I, like I need more explaining how this works. Cause we, he just like jumps us into it without really 
explaining the mechanics of this guy's uh, psychology right. type of thing. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like obviously great performances in Split. <laughs> um, oh yeah, James McAvoy is great. Like James McAvoy especially, and and Anya Taylor Joy are are fantastic. In it. Oh, I, and I always yeah. like Betty Buckley. Um, Betty Buckley, um, the psychiatrist. Who's that? Is she was the oh okay. she was in, she was on the show Oz, which was my favorite show. My favorite show. I think she played uh, Ryan O'Reilly's mom. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, okay, I haven't seen Oz. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's a it's a rough show to watch. It was great. <laughs> um, I've I've heard good things. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't know. I feel like that's all I wanted to get off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> I guess about Shyamalan after watching all of his movies. <laughs> Those are those are kind of all of my my thoughts about the guy. I'm not the biggest Shyamalan fan even now after seeing all of them. I'm not the level of uh, fan, but I definitely St- appreciate Stuckman's. him a lot. Like more. Stuckman's a huge fan. No, um, yeah. Or I'm not one of those fans that you see in that in that buried secret no, documentary no. that like can answer all of the the questions to get into the super Shyamalan online forum. I'm a, I'm a mild <laughs> fan, I guess. Yeah. Like I can't be so much of a fan because I haven't seen all his movies. And, uh, but I'm a mild, I, I'm a fan of what I've seen. Um, I like his technique. I think he's a, I think he's like an interesting person too. I think he's an interesting character. Like just the whole, like, but like the way he's sort of self finances, a lot of stuff. I think that's all very interesting. Um, you know the, you know, obviously some huge career missteps. I I would say both these movies definitely hold up. I don't think that's I don't you know I don't I, I think you'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I think twenty twenty years. Besides, is, like the know, few things yeah, that I mentioned, like the 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 ending of Unbreakable is a little bit, eh, <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, overall, there was no there was no like cringy moments in these movies. Um, they were a bit slow, but I actually appreciated how slow they were because, like I said, like early two thousands was when we had like American Pie and like Road right. Trip and stuff like that was coming. Like the MTV style of filmmaking was starting to take over, and I think this was right before like the first Jason Bourne movie came out, and movies oh, okay. started to get yeah. more handheld and that that sort of thing. So I appreciate that it like it these movies went against the popular style of the time, I guess. Uh, yeah. That was the I main agree thing. Too. That, That's a good that, point. That's a good point. Great uh, choices. I guess the these were great choices. I'm glad you thought of these. Um, you know, I'm glad these were, these were on your list. You know, um, these were great. Um, Oh, you, you've done a, you you always pick great movies, um, but um. Well, I mean, they weren't on my list originally. It was just like I saw that old was coming out, and I was right. like, "Man, I, I need to get around to watching all of Shyamalan's right. movies." Like it's been they've been on my list of like things to watch for so long. Uh, so yeah, actually, our next episode, I guess uh, it's a bit early, but I'll I might as well bring it up now. Yeah. Because it's also movies I haven't watched. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the scary movie movies, and I guess like the trajectory of spoof movies okay. in general. Are, are you a fan so of I'm, I'm really Zucker Abram Zucker? 
airplane and n- uh, naked. No, not like a not like huge fan, but I do. I find I find those movies funny. Okay, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a huge fan of them. When I was a kid, Airplane was like the first comedy I think I watched, and then I got around to like you know, as a kid, you don't even know all the references, and then I got around to like catching the references, and then. Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two. Oh, okay. I must have watched a thousand times as a kid. Those were my go-to. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, for me, it was Spaceballs. I think I watched okay, Spaceballs like fifty times because I was because yeah because I was such a, a Star, Star Wars, Wars guy. guy. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm more of a Mel Brooks person than a Zucker Abram Zucker person. But I, they yeah, they both have their. It, it gave points, me such joy as a kid when I'd watch Nine and a Half Weeks, and I was like, oh, that's the Charlie Sheen, Valeria Golina scene from Hot Shots. It's parodying this movie, you know? It's like, because, like, you know, I hadn't seen all the parodies, and it was before the internet kind of gave it all away. Yeah. So, you know, nowadays you just look and, like, you, you know, you look on Wikipedia, it's like, it parodies, da 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 But as a kid, you don't know that, and then you yeah, see like the movie, I... you're like, wow, Apocalypse Now! When we watch all the scary movies, I definitely plan on, like, I want to see which movies are they parodying, and out of them, how many have I not seen Right, 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 exactly. Because I've seen so many horror movies, I know there's got to be, like, I haven't seen, for example, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and I know they parody that. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. So that it'll be interesting to over the next couple of weeks, like not only watch those, but also try to watch all the movies that they parody so I can kind of catch the reference type of thing. Right. But I haven't seen any of the scary movie movies. Okay, so it'll be I've seen them a very long finally... time ago. So <laughs> and I'll and I've seen okay. the I've seen the Wayne Brothers version and the Z- the Zucker Abram Zucker ones. I think I enjoyed them all. To a very I, I like Leslie Nielsen a lot, you know, the naked gun guys. Like I said, I'm a. Sp- I, Have you seen like the Wayne's Brothers like other non-parody movies like mm, Little Man? Or- no, I had, no White Chicks, <laughs> or White no, Chicks, I haven't, I haven't whatever. Seen any, yeah, I haven't me, seen any of those. Either. I, I, no desire. I really don't no want to subject to myself. To, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I gotta say, like, <laughs> there's a new breed of spoof movies. Date movie epic. Those oh, are those like terrible, like epic yeah, those movie are and date movies. The only those guys did a movie called Not Another Teenage Movie, which is actually very funny. And I they did that. Oh, okay, yeah, Chris like Evans, Aaron Seltzer, yes. and I can't remember I the other guy's this, name. Yeah, it's Chris Evans is the main character. Skylar Lee's, and it has a lot of a lot of people actually. Randy Quaid's. He's terrible, but he's often terrible. I would say he's always terrible, but um, no, that one's a good one. And that one's a funny. I like. A funny there's one. a few really good Randy Quaid yeah. performances from like the eighties. <laughs> he just makes some of those weird, like National Lampoon Six kind of. Oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah. in the VOD part of the career, but anyway, not another teenage movie is a good spoof. Um, nothing else these guys have ever done is any good, but that one's actually a good one. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't plan. I don't plan on subjecting myself to any of those either. Like. I- I've seen uh, a few of them on the, 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 the Netflix them. ones. <laughs> like I don't. I like. I put them on as backgrounds. They don't even work as backgrounds. They're just you know, they're just. It's because it's not even like you know movies like Airplane and Hot Shots. And they were spoofing. They'd spoof like movies like a pop a cop Apocalypse Now and The Godfather. What these guys do now, they're not. They just spoof like. It's just what, Pop culture. yeah, like whatever movie came out in two thousand five. Right. They spoof Paris Hilton as <laughs> like, a person, as is like is the joke. It's not, yeah, yeah. Or like this, like this movie came out in two thousand five, and also uh, the 
Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate right. Factory so, yeah. remake also came out exactly. in 2005. So we, we need, need to spoof, spoof that. that. Twilight. It's like, why? Yeah. This movie This movie isn't culturally significant exactly. enough to deserve exactly. a spoof. Whereas Hot Shots. <laughs> it just happened and, to come out yes. recently. Like the, Some of the best spoofs in the Hot Shots and those sort of movies are when they spoof something like The Godfather or Apocalypse Now, something that's timeless, you know. You know, when you watch these date movies five years, three years later, you're like, I don't even know what this is referencing. Like, and then you like, it's referencing like a meme that was popular at that time. You know, it's it's really bad. Yeah, it's bottom of the barrel. You know, it's bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Hi. You're in the emergency room in the Philadelphia City Hospital. I ask you some questions. Where are you sitting on the train? against the window in the passenger car yes you're certain you were in the passenger car yeah where are the other passengers your train derailed took a curve too fast. The second train collided with yours after it derailed. The debris spread over one mile. Why are you looking at me like that? There are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems you are the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, you don't have a scratch on you. All right. Well, is there anything that uh, you have been like watching or enjoying in your free time lately? <clears throat> or anything, any movies that you saw recently, like since going to see old uh, uh, movies? I, okay. I watched startup three seasons. Awesome. Adrian, no, sorry, Adam Brody, um, the kid detective guy. Um, Okay. It's a really good yeah, like crime thriller, internet. It's sort of like Silicon Valley meets um, Narcos or something. It's it's, just, it's really good. It's really really a really oh. fast three season watch. Um, movie wise, I rewatched Sexy Beast for some reason. Just I thought I, thought, I think it was just like something. Oh, I know. One of the lines in that movie was stuck in my head, and I was like, "Yeah, let me just watch that scene because I couldn't remember the line." And I watched the night watching the whole movie. Um, um, you've seen that, right? Ray Winston, I, Ben Kingsley. I don't think so. Who's who's uh, in Ben it? Kingsley? Ray Winston. Ben Ben Kingsley won the Oscar for it. He he plays this horrific terrible awful awful man who goes to spain to get ray winston to do one last heist so sort of like a heist movie it's almost like two different movies in one it's 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 one of those british kind of lock stock um um what's the one with brad pitt sleepers no a lock stock in two smoking barrels that style of or or snatch. Snatch, yes, was what I was thinking. That style of British crime, but witty dialogue, vulgar dialogue, um, 
ultra violence. Oh, it's okay. it's um, highly recommended. I, I'm actually glad I brought it up now. I've seen it ten times in my life. I'm glad. You know, I think you. I think yeah. You'd love I'm gonna it. have to because I've I've heard of it, and I know that I know the director Jonathan yes, Glazer, Jonathan, he also yeah, directed Under the Skin. Yes, yes, that's I, I couldn't remember With his name. Scarlett yes. Johansson. Um, which is a movie I'm not sure how I feel a lot about. Of people, a lot of people <laughs> say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I know of Sexy Beast because of that, like, and because uh, of the Glazer's d- directed a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, he's only done three films, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking that up now. It's just Sexy Beast, Birth, and <laughs> and Under the Skin, and I haven't seen Birth either. I've heard it's interesting. Um, I've heard it's interesting in the same vein. He's almost kind of, he's almost like a Charlie Kaufman kind of guy. Very limited, very limited in pol- pol- um polarizing um oh i oh speaking of charlie kaufman i also i watched yeah. the nicholas cage charlie kaufman um orchard thief movie um adapt- adaptation is that what it's called uh, yeah I yeah it. um i don't know why i hadn't seen it before i think you brought it up on a prior show and i was like all right let me scroll this oh maybe yeah i really like adaptation it. but it's hard like i i looked for because i wanted to buy it on blu-ray or dvd or something it's impossible to find yeah. this movie on any physical media now and it's not really streaming anywhere either, so it's it's yeah, it's a hard movie to find unless you like pirate it or something. I'm um, living in Colombia, so I think that's you know, yeah. Without incriminating <laughs> myself, that's usually how movies come across my. Fair enough. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, I'm gonna. So yeah, I'm gonna have to look up these other Jonathan Glazer movies at some point. Yeah, I, I, I'll check out Birth. Um, Maybe. Have you seen? No, it, I haven't. Or... I'm just. I'd like to say I've heard it's oh, polarizing. Okay. <laughs> I, I like to check it out. But yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah. Okay. Sexy beast is sexy beast is extremely accessible. Like, there's nothing in it that would be like. There's nothing in it that's like, you know. I mean, you you would like it or dislike it. Some people don't like. I think it had the most use of the f word um, in any movie or something. I don't know. It's um, or the most vulgarities of any. Really? Yeah, it, was, it was something like. Anyway, it's it's a very entertaining. The heist part's entertaining. Ben Kingsley earned the Oscar. Ray Winston's wonderful. Um, it's funny, it's violent, it's, it makes, you know, it's great. It's a great movie. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't been, (laughs) I haven't had that much time to watch too much lately because I've been busy planning the Columbia trip. That's awesome. Um, yeah, which I'm, I'm very excited about. Cartagena, right? But yeah, I've been, I've been still with, uh, with a friend of mine, like we've, we've still been watching, uh, the Clone Wars okay. and Futurama on Disney Plus. So I'm still going with that. Nice. <laughs> um, and then other than that, I'm trying to watch, like I mentioned the Cronenberg movies earlier. I'm trying to watch like anything by a director I respect that I that just have like one or two like outliers, okay. like one or two movies that I just haven't gotten around to seeing yet. So um, yeah, just trying to get around to that. Um, I went through a thing where I watched a bunch of like Canadian horror movies okay. <laughs> or just Canadian movies in Cube. general. <laughs> yeah. Like well, I've seen cube. Like I watched splice, which was also oh, the, I like the same guy who directed. Cube. Yeah. Splice is a good movie. Um, it was, it was weird. Very weird, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I, I, I think it's very interesting movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know how I felt about it compared to like cube. I, like I really love cube, I love cube, but splice. I'm like, I don't know. I, I like splice <laughs> as a monster movie. Um, I, I guess I didn't really, I saw it when it came out. 
I saw it, gosh, I've saw it, I've said ten years ago, whatever it came out. Um, I, mm. I don't. Um, I, and I guess there's all that sort of DNA and creating, creating, uh, creating life sort of probably themes to it that I probably didn't appreciate. Now, again, 10 years ago, I was in my 30s, so I probably should have appreciated it. But I remember just catching it like on cable thinking, oh, yeah, Adrian Brody, he's cool. And I'm like, oh, what is this weird cat thing thing that he has sex with and turns into a thing? And like, I'm like, this movie's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I was like, all right, I love it. Yeah. And I think, I think I've actually revisited that movie um, – not too long ago, I think I saw it on some sort of, some sort of Netflix sort of thingy or something. Okay, yeah, I mean it's it's an easy watch. Yeah. It's like a bit, maybe an hour and forty five oh, yeah. minutes type of thing. And it's like a it's a beat um, by beat sort of movie. It's like okay, this is what happened. You know, it's sort of yeah. So I I watched that and then I watched um last night. I don't know if you've ever last night. uh heard of is that. Uh, with. Uh, Sarah Pauly is also is, in is it, she but also um, yeah, okay, she is. Cool. Uh, it has Sarah Pauly and Sandra O, oh, and it's kind of like uh, everyone knows that the world is ending, and then like what they do on their final night before the world ends, kind of thing. It's an interesting like also also because we talked about David Cronenberg earlier. Cronenberg acts in that oh. movie, but he didn't direct okay. it. It's one of those weird movies where he's in it <laughs> as an actor, but he didn't. It's directed by Don McKellar, who also acts in it. Um, and I guess is friends with Cronenberg because he's also acted in stuff that Cronenberg has made. <clears throat> um, but yeah, also a quick like 90, 90, 92 minute kind of movie. Uh, but very interesting, very like it, very thought provoking, because the whole time I was thinking, oh, man, what would I do? on the very last night of existence before the entire world blows up kind of right. thing. Um, so very like kind of a somber movie, kind of like I talked about ghost ghost story. I think it was called uh, from the, the green Knight director, oh, with the Casey Affleck movie. same kind of deal. Like, yeah, yeah, same kind of deal. Like very, almost like nihilistic, uh, like a movie about everything being meaningless, kind of like don't, don't watch it if you're clinically depressed, kind of movie, but sure. but good at the same time, okay. like also very good and thought provoking. Um, and then that because I watched that and it had David Cronenberg in it, that's why I was like, oh, I need to watch these other Cronenberg movies I haven't seen yet, kind of. Okay. Thing. Uh, so yeah, I'm just doing like as I watch movies, I'm doing like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon type of thing. Like, Oh, Sandra O oh was in splice. So I should watch, uh, this other, uh, I should watch last night because, or not Sandra. Oh, I mean, Sarah Pauly okay. was in splice. Was I mean, so I should watch, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I should watch last night cause Sarah Pauly is nice. in that blah, blah, blah. Um, actually what got me on to that, Canadian movie kick, I guess, was I watched uh, Ginger Snaps. Oh, okay. Uh, which also very good, like low budget independent Canadian mm, horror. I've heard about that one. Um, and it's directed by the guy who co-created Orphan Black, which is a movie I'm abs or a, a TV series rather that I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, and also has very similar like genetic type of themes to Splice as well. So the, while I was watching Splice, I was thinking a lot about Orphan Black as well. Right. So it's all connected. <laughs> all, the, all the movies and TV shows and stuff, uh, especially in Canada. I don't know why in Canada we have so many things that are all about like genetics and science and 
uh, biomechanics or whatever. Right. It seems to be a common theme in, in uh, not just in these movies that I mentioned, but in like a lot of weird Canadian sci-fi TV series and stuff. Right. Like uh, Canada is pretty well known for making like low budget uh, sci-fi TV shows in like Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, and, uh, and half of them are about these types of themes of like somebody in a lab making clones or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know why that that pops up all the time. Right. right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that. Oh, I also I went to the theater and I find I saw Suicide Squad. Oh, OK. The James Gunn. Um, really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't like it as much as the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. No, neither but did, still I. Neither like, did I. Yeah, still very, very enjoyable um, without spoiling too much about it or anything. Um, and then I watched Don't Breathe 2, which was fine, but I didn't like it as much as the first Don't Breathe. Yeah, I've seen some polarizing reviews. Kind of, yeah, they kind of like take the guy from the who's uh, I don't know if I want to call him a bad guy, <laughs> like the guy whose house they invade in the first Don't Breathe, who kind of turns out to be like the antagonist. And then they make him the protagonist in part two. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. But also, I'm glad that it's not like they didn't do like the Home Alone 2 thing where just like a different group of people break into his house and he kills them. Because that would be be boring. (laughs) But I wasn't. Yeah, but I wasn't super into like what they did with it either until near the end. Like once the twist is revealed in the last like half hour. I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. But like the first hour, I was kind of like, where are they going with this right, <laughs> kind <right>. of thing? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's about it. I think uh, tomorrow, actually, I'm going to go see uh, Free Guy and the new Candyman remake. Okay, I've so heard great I things can, about Free Guy. I can, yeah, I'll be able to talk about that in the next show. And then I'm going with my sister to go see Shang-Chi on the weekend. So. Oh, perfect. Some Marvel. I'll have Marvel. lots of new, fresh movies to go see and, and talk about next time. So, um, yeah, I guess that's about it for me. Is, yeah, well, <laughs> I've already I had fun. This is good. Already getting tired. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, enjoy, I enjoyed our, our conversation about Shyamalan. I'm glad I finally got to to become a Shyamalan completist. Um, and with that, I guess I will bid you all adieu. All right. See you. See you out there later and. Podcast land? <laughs> I know what's going through your mind right now. You're searching for meaning in all of this. No one thing. 131 people died so you could finally understand the destiny for which you were born. Are you ready for the truth?